Hour number two of the Bill Michaels Show, and we are glad you're here today. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, welcome to all of you on the uh, network as well. Our fine affiliate up in Menominee, Marinette. Get them out of the way first, but certainly not least. And that's WMAM hanging out up there in uh, Menominee, Marinette, Peshtigo, where the Forgotten Fire Winery is. Thanks to uh, all of you for taking a listen to us up there. One thing has changed the game of baseball. Ben, do you know what that is? It's not the shift, by the way. One thing and, has changed And the Mike game. and West Dallas just mentioned it before uh, before we went to break. Well, how they deal with the balls. It Partially. But the fact is that it used to be uncommon for a guy to throw over 92 miles an hour. And now these guys are healing, heaving it up there at 94, 95, 97, 99 consistently. And you don't get guys – it used to be, you know, like Nolan Ryan was – when he cracked 90, people were in awe. When he cracked 94 and 95, people were like, oh, my God, you know. And then, you know, came along Dwight Gooden, who could get it up consistently at 94, 95. And it was just like, wow. Now that's an everyday occurrence. There's not many guys that throw under 91, you know. We get excited when, you know, we see 99 consistently because we're waiting for that 100 mark. You know, the only guy that busted it all the time was Araldus Chapman. But you're seeing guys throw 94, 95, 97 miles an hour with off-speed stuff coming in at 88, 87. And that's what's been so dynamic um, when it comes to pitching versus hitting in Major League Baseball is that these – these tanks, these pitchers go into these these analytic tanks, where they put the the uh, the the video scan on these guys, and they're able to get perfectly their mechanics, perfectly their throwing point, perfectly their arm angle, perfectly everything that they need to get the most snap and the most twist and the most spin on the baseball. That has far that has grown by leaps and bounds in that in, in that pitching lab, if you will the ability to throw versus the ability to hit as we have seen you know you know hitters consistently uh when it comes to their batting average go down and, and i think that's been the biggest change in baseball the shift in everything i i get all that the fact that they're deadening the baseball i like that to be honest with you i like the fact that they did that i as much as home runs are still going to be a part of the game are you glad to see home runs be less prevalent Ben, are you glad to see the home runs less prevalent and guys still trying to put the ball in play rather than just doing the grip it and rip it? Oh, definitely. I've said when we've talked about broad spectrum, how do you change the game? My most exciting plays are always like triples, plays at the plate when guys are running around while the ball's in play. My genius idea to fix baseball is move all the fences back 30 feet so home runs just don't exist. But I am happier that right. they say less reliant at this point. Yeah, I, I am too. I like the fact that we're not seeing the the uh, the grip it and rip it mentality, and it's kind of subsided a bit. And it's not to say that it's it's still not there for some, but it, it's you know I and I know I, you know just like Taylor said, uh, these guys it's real simple. These guys are professionals. Uh, make them learn to hit like they did back in the day. Uh, but back in the day, remember, you know, if somebody hit ninety on the jugs gun, that was impressive. Now, 95, 97 is not uncommon. 
And that does make a difference. It gives you that much less time to read and react. And the big thing with baseball now is spin rate. It's not just throwing hard, but guys are throwing hard with high spin rate. You know, that that's the other aspect of this. So it's it's it has become more difficult. And again, I'm not making excuses, but I'm just telling you kind of the facts here. It has become more difficult to hit the baseball because of the the pitching labs that every the Brewers had one to like early on in this process as teams started to get this. And now everybody's got one. Everybody's got this this pitching lab that they have in their usually uh, in their like their their spring training facilities and such where they can go into this thing and analyze and look and try to get things um try to get things right or get your mechanics right or however you throw the baseball to get the most spin rate on the baseball and also to throw harder. Uh and before remember it was like unheard of. My dad used to teach me. I you know I pitched a little bit in in, in you know his little league in high school and such coming up. And my dad used to teach me, you know, hey, uh, try not to, uh, you know, when I played both that and football, he didn't want me lifting a ton because it would screw up my shoulder, it would screw up my arm, it would make me bulky, and the ability for me to be able to throw and stretch it out wouldn't be there. And, you know, the the, the, the thought was if you lift, you're going to end up like one of these muscle guys with the big shoulders and the neck, and you're not going to be able to throw the baseball. And now we're finding out that these pitchers and such, they are in the gyms. They are working out. They're working on their legs. They're working on their arms. They're working on flexibility. They're working on core. They're, they're doing all, they're lifting, but they're just lifting in a different fashion. And that has also strengthened and given more miles per hour to each pitcher's uh, ability to throw the baseball. So pitching has come a long way, probably in the last decade, maybe 15 years. And it's really started to accelerate. But I also think that sabermetrics and the analytics of taking away the little nuances of baseball has effed up baseball beyond repair. That I don't know how you go back to doing the little things. I don't know how, if at all, uh, hitters today are able to read and react to take a ball the opposite way. I don't know how they're able to read and react. And that's where you don't see guys bunting as much either because you got guys throwing 94, 95, 97. Um, you know, I, I also think that these guys are um, not willing to turn around and, and face a 97-mile-an-hour fastball with break on it coming at them to drop down a bunt. I just don't think they are. So we don't see that either. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. If you want to hit us up, do so. So, those are some of the things that have changed in Major League Baseball. Now, everybody's got to deal with it. I'm just not making an excuse for the Brewers, but everybody's got to deal with it. Some teams have dealt with it better than others. Some players have dealt with it better than others. Uh, we can all admit that. But that's part of, uh, to me anyway, why baseball has taken a turn. If you want to call it boring, is because pitching has become far more, uh, you know, uh, experienced and expanded than, than, than hitting has just because of these pitching labs that guys have gone into. Um, again, if you want to chime in, please feel free to go ahead and do so. Um, and this one's from, uh, 
Uh, it's from Brentley. He says, putting the Brewers aside for a second, how many years do you think the Bucks should sign Bobby Portis for? There are rumors that they are close to a, a multi-year deal. I like Bobby Portis. I hope they keep him around for the next three to five years. I, I, I like what he brings to the table. I like his tenacity. He's a fan favorite. He can shoot from the outside. He can give you some scoring. I mean, there's there's not a lot that he can't do. His his ability has a ceiling to it, but you're, you, what we've seen is what you're getting, and you might as well reward it. And you try to keep as many pieces of the band together as you possibly can, let's be honest, right? So I would uh, – there's not many changes, one, you can make, or two, you should make to this team. I think a healthy Chris Middleton down the stretch makes a difference. But what we're seeing right now with the Celtics and the way the Celtics – Celtics came out with a vengeance last night, and Draymond Green was not going to be a factor in that game. He just wasn't. They took it to him big time. And Williams came up tough last night. Williams with a lot of second-chance opportunities, crashed the boards. They did a lot of the little things last night – getting second-chance uh, second points, uh, fast-break points, playing defense down under the hoop. The Celtics just came out with a different tenacity last night. And then, obviously, we're going to hold our breath today, if you're a Warriors fan, to see uh, how Steph's knee and Steph's leg is going to do after being fall on, fallen on last night and coming out in the last two minutes of that contest. But, no, I think the Bucks would be right there. I just think they need one more piece. And we all know they need a scorer. But what you're watching right now in the NBA Finals is something the Bucks didn't do all season long, and that's that's defend beyond the arc. They're good on the inside, but uh, they just they didn't defend beyond the arc very well. And you're seeing both teams and their ability to play inside out and being able to kick the ball back out to open threes and being able to hit their shots. Bucks need another guy. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Again, 877-867-1670 if you want to find us. Feel free. Go ahead and do so. Um, What else do we have here? Who's this from? Uh, Andy from Port Washington. Hey, unit went to Stenny's yesterday and took the shuttle. By the way, Billy says hi. Uh, Love the whole experience. We met Ryan. What a great guy. By the way, Bill Michael's garlic cheese bread was delicious. Thank you very much. Fun time, except for the Brewers' loss. First time ever to Stenny's. We will definitely be back. Thanks for the heads up, Andy in Port Washington. Andy, uh, awesome. Great experience. Glad you had a good time down there. A lot of fun. That is the way to go see a game. If you're gonna, That way you don't have to worry, because if you're not going to tailgate, then go ahead and you know do that down there. Get a couple of beverages. Let somebody else do the driving. Let somebody else do the parking. All you got to do then is just you know walk up to the uh, gate. Go inside, enjoy yourself, and then head back out to the shuttle after the fact. Good stuff. Glad you enjoyed it. Um, Mark says, uh, I think the Brewers have an issue with hitting. They've stacked too many bad hitters on this team, thinking that they're going to find diamonds in the rough. The only guy they're depending on is Christian Yelich, and he hasn't been a good hitter for three years now. Why do we continue to look to Christian Yelich as a fan favorite to say that he's going to bounce back. We all know he's not. He's not stealing signs. He's not taking steroids anymore. He's nothing more than a subpar baseball player, let's face it. Damn. Damn. That's uh, that's a little harsh to say the very that's that's two now though. That's two now. Um Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seven. Let's go to the phone calls. Let's talk to Tom. Tom, welcome to the program, man. What's going on? Hey, Bill. How are you today? I am doing well. Hey. What you thinking? 
Great. Hey, I got a, I, I got a comment about Craig Council. You know, I've always been a Council fan. Truly, I have been. Um, but at some point, you know, it, it seems like there's no fire under their asses right now. It seems like they're just limping around. They don't, they don't have an attitude about him anymore. And I'm wondering just sometime down the road here, even though he is a good manager and he's done a lot of good things, you know, the fans are going to get sick of ending the season the way we do every year. And do you think it's feasible to think, because in Wisconsin, we just don't change managers or coaches real easily, but do you think it's getting to where it's time to start thinking about a different manager, a different philosophy, you know, something to put light a fire under these guys' asses? Because I'm, I'm getting sick of watching them lose. And while I understand every team goes through it, it seems like it's getting to be a real habit, you know? What's your thoughts right. on that? Um, well, that's a great question. I, I, okay. First and foremost, when it comes to lighting fires under asses in baseball, it's hard to do, uh, you know, because how do you can tell, how do you tell what enthusiasm is? Usually when guys are running down a dugout, ringing the bell, there's enthusiasm. And when everybody's striking out, there's not, I, I, I guess my question to Craig council would be at what point do you pull the trigger on trying to ignite something? You know what I mean? I, and exactly. again, I'm not exactly. sitting here saying that the bu- dropping down a bun is the way to go. I'm just simply saying when you try to do something different and what that different may be, I don't know. Is it is it you know leaning into a pitch? To, you know, I don't want to see guys get hit by a pitch, but is it leaning into a pitch just to get on base? Is it dropping down a bun? Is it is it something, something else to try to ignite guys, be, to try to do something out of the like war? There's too many batters standing up there taking too many pitches, and maybe I'm wrong about that, but I've been seeing that a lot lately, you know, things right down the middle, and they're standing looking at them. And I realize they're looking for something else, but you got to start you got to start swinging that back because you're never going to get on otherwise. And thanks for right. taking my call. All right, buddy. Appreciate it, man. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. What? If you were Craig Council, let's ask this question. If you were Craig Council, what would you do? What would you, you, I'm giving you the Milwaukee Brewers. Here you go on a platter. Here you go. Here's the Brewers. You tell me now pitching aside, pitching aside, what would you do? Here's your opportunity for all the second guessers that are out there. What would you do? 877-867-1670. Stick around. We got more of the Bill Michael show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Hour number three, if you can believe it, of The Bill Michael Show. Flying through this thing today. Flying through it. Going to be talking with Alec Ingold. Uh, former Wisconsin Badger, coming up here in just a moment. Stay tuned for that. Uh, this portion of the program brought to you by our good friends over there at the New Mail Medical Center, treating guys with ED all over the state of Wisconsin, well beyond the borders as well. And uh, all you got to do is give them a call, 414-455-4451. Again, 414-455-4451. Um, all, well, like I said, all you got to do is give them a, give them a call and, uh, and hit them up. Um, Let's do this. Uh, Alec Ingold, uh, former Wisconsin Badger, former Las Vegas Raider, now with the uh, the Dolphins. But, Alec, uh, i got to ask you, man, uh, y- you leave 
Las Vegas, just as they pick up Devontae Adams, they're pushing all their chips to the middle of the table, and that's got to, at least for your former team, leave them with a lot of excitement, right? It was, yeah. It was. Uh, you watch them from afar for however long, and seeing a playmaker like that on the Raiders, yeah, it's that's good. Uh, that's a good deal for Silver and Black. So, you know, when you bring a veteran guy like that in, not only do you get a chance to see that guy play and what he can do, but what does that say about management, about the tenacity of the front office uh, when it, it the feelings are it looks as if you're going for it, right? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think whenever you see management go in on a, a superstar player like that, they're all in. They're definitely betting on all of the guys. That window to win is now. So it gives a lot of guys a lot of confidence. I know for me personally seeing the management go for Tyreek Hill and the Dolphins, it was like, all right, this is our shot. This is our time to win. We're, we're going to play some ball. Um, you get one of the best players to ever play in that position on your team. You're like, okay, they have confidence in everybody else to step up, to win now, and, and to be great. So what, now that you get a chance, and you've seen both sides, you've seen what uh, Las Vegas obviously has, the Dolphins, what they uh, obviously possess. We all know it's a quarterback-driven league. You've seen Derek Carr. You tell me what you think of Tua. You're saying I've seen Derek Carr, and now you're saying what I think of Tua? Yeah. I think Tua is crazy. Um, I think he's crazy talented. Um, dude can make a lot of off-balance, off rhythm throws and especially in our offense i think uh we're coming from that shanahan system of everything being on time um you know on that that first hitch on that second hitch on a three-step drop on a fifth step drop to see Tua learning the offense so quickly being able to hit guys in stride putting the ball where it needs to be so we we can run we can get that yak but then also to see that off timing plays to see oh things broke down how can he extend a play, make a pass, you know, get guys on a scramble drill. It's been cool to kind of see the diversity of, of what he brings to the offense where you might be very schedule and re regimented, uh, and that's how you want to be. You want to be on schedule. You want to be first and 10, second and, you know, four, third and short, converting first downs. But uh, the dude has playmaking ability, which is fun to see. You know, for years we've watched Aaron Rodgers here in Green Bay, you know as well, and then obviously you get a chance to see Derek Carr, you go to Tua. We know that it's veteran, it's savvy, it's knowledge, because most of the quarterbacks in the National Football League, they have the talent to get here, it's just what you have between the years. So it comes down to intelligence. What do you think about inside study rooms, inside looks and things like that, the recognition of defenses and such, as you see the progression of a young quarterback and what they need to do and what they need to grow? Uh, yeah, that's a huge question. I think a lot of it goes from, you know, you, you said it, it starts in that film room. It starts in that study room, but it's really that transition piece. How do you bring that out to a practice field? How do you bring it through a walkthrough at a different pace? How do you bring it through a, a full speed Sunday game and, and being able to adjust, being able to read your players, read a defense that's trying to disguise a different way. I think all of those things are huge and that that's, that's what uh, young quarterbacks really can't emulate. You can't emulate that experience or all of those different looks. But, you know, you get reps against different D coordinators. You take good notes. You're able to develop a, a, an understanding of what's going on in the offense. Man, that's – that's everything nowadays. I have not had a chance. I got to ask you because I have been to Hard Rock Stadium. I, I know Miami pretty well. I've never been to that stadium out in Vegas. Tell me a little bit about it, real quick. 
Yeah, one second. Let me get this chew talk out of my, my dog's <laughs> mouth before he starts ruining this interview. He's running around like crazy. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that stadium out in Vegas, they call it the Death Star for a reason now. That thing is like a, it's like a rocket ship. The tech in there is outstanding. Um, you know, I would say I've been, been able to play a hard rock uh, at a bowl game in college. That was unbelievable. It's like the epicenter of South Florida of entertainment. You get um, Lambeau Field is like historic and the, the meaning of football. It feels like football was born to be played in Lambeau. And then you get the Death Star, you get Jerry's World. I think all of those stadiums are like bucket list. If you're just a fan of entertainment, if you're a fan of football in general, um, you got to find a way to make it to all those stadiums. When you, I want to go to the college side of things real quick. Obviously, you had a successful career uh, with the Badgers. Now that the NIL has kind of opened Pandora's box, give me your thoughts both as an athlete, as a perspective of having the ability to be paid, and then, two, where the recruiting goes from here. I think it's, it's, a, huge peri- it's a huge shift in, in college athletics, and I think it's really interesting to see where things go short-term and long-term because – the way that you recruit, you want to recruit guys that, that fit your system, that fit your tradition, that fit your identity as a university, as a program, right? But then how does that shift when guys are getting paid? Those types of guys that you're recruiting, that those types of individuals don't change. The types of people that the University of Wisconsin is going to recruit to play on the offensive line, to play running back, to play defense to run Jim Leonard's defense to to play those plays and to make those plays and be great student athletes and ambassadors of the university that won't change how they deal with money is is another little wrinkle right how they deal with this NIL is going to be okay how are we going to get these guys paid how are how are they going to handle that adversity how are they going to handle the distractions and I think it's really going to come down to how disciplined the guys are how closely you can be as a unit as a team how you can support one another and how you can prioritize let's make some ball plays let's go to school let's go to class let's get these grades let's stay eligible let's get a degree let's make some ball plays let's let's put some food on the table for our families and then let's get some money let's you know let's do some fun stuff let's let's show personality let's be a part of the community and bring everything together so um i i you know i'm big on all these guys keeping those priorities straight uh, it's going to be tough. I, I don't think it's going to be as easy and peaches and cream as everyone thinks. But uh, if you can handle it the right way, I think that's it's outstanding for university and for these kids. Give me your thoughts on Wisconsin, what they've done this offseason, and the outlook uh, moving forward. Man, I think you know you're, you really just got to build around your guys, your playmakers, um, instill that confidence, instill that development. So I'm pumped about it. Obviously, a lot of coaching changes. Um, where you, you think that you, you just hope for the best there. You, you can't wait to see all of the work that they put in in spring ball, right? And it's like this big secret of what's going to pop off week one, um, which is exciting. And I think that's where everyone's going to show up at Camp Randall at dark. And you, you just can't wait for those goosebumps of week one to see what happened in spring ball, to see what happened uh, during training camp, who rose to the occasion, who fell off. So it's like a, it's like a surprise for everyone. Um, and, and that's that's the beauty of week one, uh, especially football in college. Real quick, before I let you go, i got to ask you, you go, you're staying in the AFC, you're in a very tough division, obviously. 
Uh, Buffalo has gotten exponentially better. We know the Patriots are always going to have Belichick. You guys have gotten better. You've got an exodus of quarterbacks now that have all gone to the AFC. Talk about how tough that side of the NFL, that conference is. Yeah, I mean, you think about winning games, right? Like winning games are hard in the AFC. And then you're playing your division opponents. You're playing conference opponents. And to be able to look at a schedule and be like, man, we got to win 11 games to make it to the playoffs. Like just to make it to the tournament, you know, you, you got to celebrate every single win. And I think that's where if you have a lot of quarterbacks with a lot of experience don't, coming down in the fourth quarter. We're going to be in a lot of close games and it's really going to be the guys that don't flinch. It's going to be the character of a team. It's going to be a talent and the playmakers. And man, you just got to, <laughs> if you're going to win in 11, 12 games, you're not making it to the tournament. So uh, I think that's kind of the, the stigma of the AFC, man. It's, it's a lot of talent over here and a lot of character. Alec, great to talk to you. Go back to enjoying the dog. Uh, good luck to you this season-wise as well. And uh, we hope to chat with you again down the road, okay? I appreciate it. Thanks for your time, bro. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. There you go. Alec Engel, former Wisconsin Badger, now with the Dolphins, former uh, Las Vegas Raider. As he said, they're, they're excited out there. The Death Star. The de- we got to get out there. As a matter of fact, Super Bowl this year is in uh, this coming season is in Phoenix, back out in uh, Glendale, Arizona. And then after that, it is at the Death Star. The Super Bowl's in Vegas. I can only imagine what it's going to be like in Vegas. Uh, That I'm looking forward to, big time. Uh, By the way, by the way, uh, Alec Ingold comes to us. they got a charity softball game coming up. Team Ingold and Team Decker. Alec Ingold against Sam Decker. Saturday, this coming Saturday, the battle for Wisconsin, so to speak. And uh, it is a charity softball game. Uh, It's going to be in conjunction with uh, the uh, Madison Mallards. And uh, they're going to have a a good time out there. It's the Eric Ingold uh, Family Foundation is where they disperse the charitable funds. There's a celebrity home run derby, the charity softball game coming up all uh, on Saturday night at Warner Park. That's in Madison, Wisconsin, if you're looking for tickets for that. Uh, big weekend coming up. He's coming into town for that. So for the Battle of Wisconsin, the charity softball game taking place this Saturday, Warner Park, and it's going to feature Alec Ingold and Sam Decker and the Wisconsin alumni friends, and it's going to be a good time. If you're a Badger, it's just something you're going to go to. Just go see these guys. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. Sixteen seventy, and if you want more information on it, we're gonna—I'll post it over on the Facebook fan page, the link to it. And if you want to find it over there, you can. I'll post it over on Twitter as well. But uh, good stuff to get Alec Ingold to join us for a couple of minutes. And uh, we've got another uh, great sponsor that does a lot of charitable stuff. That's our friends at Forgotten Fire Winery up there in Peshtigo, and they've donated bottles, they've donated cases, they've donated tastings, and such to many different charitable events to raise some money. So don't forget about them when you're out there and you're thinking about purchasing a bottle of wine, a case of wine, fun wine, drinkable wine, snooty, snooty wine. They're not snooty, though. They've won awards and they've won gold medals and stuff, and they're like, eh, whatever. You know, those can go collect dust. They just like people who like their wine. That's it. And they like people to like their wine any way they want it. You want to have white wine with red meat? Do it. You want to have red wine with fish? Do it. You want to throw ice in your Pinot Grigio? Do it. You want to throw some 7-Up or Sprite in there? Do it. Whatever it happens to be, just enjoy it. That's what it's made for. Just enjoy it. They call it fun in a bottle. And if you can't get to Pesh to go, then all you got to do is head out to your local grocery store or your local liquor store or wine stores, and you walk in and say... 
Forgotten Fire Winery, baby. How about it? And if they say we don't have it, say get it. And if not, walk out. Leave. ForgottenFireWinery.com. That is ForgottenFireWinery.com. You can follow them over on Facebook as well. Forgotten Fire Winery. Good, good people. Jake and Melissa and Chris, all great people. Jake is the master winemaker up there, and uh, he is talking about passionate and fun. Fun and passionate. He's not your traditional snooty walking around in a three-piece suit wine dude. Uh, he's up there, tatted up, ball cap on, sometimes forward, sometimes backwards, making a wine, having a wine, enjoying the wine. That's the way you want it. ForgottenFireWinery.com. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.